Welcome to the Swim Swam podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today is Swim Swam co-founder, Olympic gold medalist, Mel Stewart. And joining us today is Olympic champion, world champion, NCAA champion, Pan-Pac champion, world university games champion, you name it, she's won it, uh, Rebecca Sony. Rebecca, how's it going? Good. Glad to be here. Excited to chat with you guys and jump into the swimming world a little bit. It's been a minute. <laughs> everything everything <laughs> and she's a nice person and uh, i'm not the biggest breaststroke fan in the world but i am because i don't understand it but from what i do understand probably the most efficient breaststroke i've ever witnessed in my life mm. yes Thank beautiful you. beautiful it's perfect stroke uh. before before we get rolling let's 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 just we, we don't want to get too deep into the weeds with with you and what's going on with you. We, but we want to do like what's happening now. And uh, I see all of your marketing and your messaging for the rise athletes. And yeah. it's, it's fascinating, but it's, uh, you know, tell us exactly what it is. Tell us what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. It's an amazing program that we're excited to share with a lot of youth athletes. And we have a team of 20 and growing mentors who are Olympians and other pro athletes. We just opened it up beyond Olympians because let's face it, like elite athletes come in all shapes and sizes and a lot of sports don't, aren't in the Olympics. Like, you know, well, surfing is now in the Olympics and we're talking to someone in surfing, but, um, NFL, <laughs> right, is a great example of places where youth athletes could really be learning a lot from the elites, and that's what Rise is all about. So, uh, as I mentioned, a couple other sports, we are deep in swimming. Obviously, myself, Caroline Burkerl are the founders of Rise. We have a big swimming network, uh, but we think that it really goes beyond the sport, uh, so we open it up to a lot of other athletes as well. It's all mindset-oriented, so it's not stroke technique, you you know, yeah, you can talk about that with your mentor too, but it's all about you as a, as an athlete, but also as a human. So we're really interested in kind of filling those gaps that um, result when you just focus on your training or just your technique. You know, there's so much more to the development of an athlete that helps both with the success of their sport, but also building that like genuine happiness and you know, pursuit of identity and, and really growing as an entire human being. You know, you, you may be a normal person who understands all these different sports, but I am a 100% pure swim nerd who knows nothing beyond swimming. But the beauty of swimming is that, I think the beauty of our sport is a few things, but, but one of them that really stands out is that, you know, you can go, you can move through our community, through our family, and you're going to brush up, you're going to rub shoulders with Olympians. And, and, and unlike you do in, in most sports, I, I know enough to know that from personal experience, but the idea that you could have a mentor like you or Caroline Burkle is, is extraordinary. I, it's, a, it's so valuable. I had unofficial mentors and they transformed my experience in SWIM. So it's, uh, 
Do you have a unique story that, that, you know, something you might be able to share about your mentoring experience? Absolutely. So many. I've been doing this for five plus years at this point. And my very first athlete who I mentored, who I kind of built this program in our relationship as it developed and, and seeing that the benefit of that is still working with me on a weekly basis. She's gone from a little 12 year old to like a full human. And, <laughs> and it's crazy to see, cause I usually just am on, you know, we're all virtual. So to see them, you know, grow up in front of your eyes. But as far as, you know, the, we really feel like there is a gap and a space for this mentor role. And there's of course the parents who love and support and the coaches who, you know, guide you through the sport aspect of it. And then there's this third element, this almost completing of a triangle of support, which the mentor fills. And, you know, with our specific focus on mindset development, uh, all of our mentors are trained <laughs> in mindset development. So we're not just like, okay, here you go. Just ready, set, go. We're trained. We have a program and entire certification process. Um, anyway, back to your question. The, the One of the biggest memories that I have of working with an athlete was, uh, you know, usually they're really interested in the subject matter and wanting to dive in and learn more about their blocks and what's holding them back. And, and, you know, whether it's thought patterns or habits or just generally exploring the mindset within their sport. So I was working with this, with this a little bit older athlete towards the end of her high school experience, um, very technically like understood swimming and, and we had a chance to jump in the water. That's how we met a few years ago. And she, she could apply the things that I was teaching. So she was very, you know, in tune with both the mental and the physical side of things. Um, but there was an element of, of enjoyment missing. <laughs> and it was constantly this, you know, bumping up against, I think I could be doing better and I'm not enjoying it, but I, I want to be a good swimmer. And I'm just, you know, how do I get there? And so we worked together for a while and she really took to all of the conversations and exercises that we worked on and worked through together. And uh, one of the, the, the most heartwarming experiences that I've had as a mentor was after she went through a big competition, she came back, I said, tell me all about it. How did it go? And, and she said, you know what, it wasn't exactly the outcome that I wanted, but I had fun for the first time in my entire swimming career at a swim meet. I didn't freak out. I wasn't obsessed about my nerves and results. I had a genuinely great time and I can't wait to keep going and to like keep swimming. <laughs> and in swimming, most people win by attrition because a lot of people don't make it. And we know from the data that if you keep participating in sport year after year after year, um, the the playing field changes so in endurance and 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 making it last works and joy is a part of that mm -hmm. it's uh yeah a happy swimmer is a fast swimmer right That's happy what. swimmers are fast swimmer and they <laughs> swim and they compete longer so here's mm -hmm. the, here's the most important question of all if i want to be a rise athlete where do i go and what do i do 
go check out our website, rise-athletes.com. It has all our information on there. We have this amazing new virtual platform that we've been building for the last couple of years, really, um, that helps us take care of everything virtually, and, and it's really awesome. So just check out our, our website, rise-athletes.com. You can see all of our mentors. You can connect with us, shoot us a message if you have a question. You know, it's just Caroline, myself, we have a couple of other former swimmers, former athletes helping us on, on that side, but you'll be connecting with us directly if you need to. And, and yeah, we're here to help really. I, <laughs> we're I, just I, here to help. I have a recommendation and it's, it's for Coleman's uh, brother, 101 Wyatt. Uh, I think 101 Wyatt could benefit from Rise Athletes. Just, just my opinion, seriously. <laughs> You explain that. Explain that. You have to share. You have to share. I, I, I don't. What, what am I explaining? <laughs> no, no. So, so, okay. So, Coleman's brother is. Uh, he's he's he has a PhD from Cal Berkeley. He swam at at, at Cal, and he was uh, he trained with him while he was getting his PhD there. He's getting he's doing his postdoc now, but he's been a one on one in the hundred meter breaststroke, and really didn't come to prominence until after he was done, with with you know uh, after he was through his undergrad. And, uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but I'm also not kidding. I, I really think that, uh, there could be a lot of benefit here. <laughs> well, I think, I think one thing that's really cool about what you're doing is that, um, you know, it's all about the mental side. It's about finding the joy. And, and sometimes I think, I think the swimming community can be so set in its ways and, uh, and that doesn't always you know, and if, if you go against the grain, sometimes it doesn't, it, it doesn't work for everyone. And, uh, or, or, you know, what, what the traditional way of swimming is doesn't always work for everyone. And so to find what works for you both physically and mentally, uh, you know, if, if you really like swimming and, and you find a way to make it, to, to make yourself happy doing it, um, then you want to stick or you want to stick with it longer. And that's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, a lot of this is built from our experiences and our journeys through sport. And, you know, yes, I had a very successful career, but looking back at certain highlights and certain moments, there was this sense of um, identity confusion, you know, not really enjoying the process. I remember winning a gold medal and, and not too far afterwards, just like crying out of pure like confusion about who am I now? And, you know, just not standing on the medal podium and feeling just confused. So there, there's a lot of space within my journey where I felt like, you know, personal development could have been included in with athletic development. But you know, I'm also really grateful for all that I've achieved and the medals and the winning this and that, but you know, that's not the full picture of what sports teaches us. <laughs> you know, we go through athletics and, and only some of us come home with medals, but we all get this experience and we all get the process of becoming better humans and learning about hard work and motivation, and dedication. And, and yet there's this whole component of the mindset side, which we just take it as a fixed state. So, oh, I'm just not that confident or, oh, I don't have, I, I always get nervous, right? That's just who I am. <laughs> it's like, that's not who you are. That's a bad habit or that's a trait that's developed because you do it all the time. But our mindset is just as trainable as our body. So 
we do drills <laughs> to get better at technique. So we do drills to get better at mental techniques. And this is all learned and applied to, to my life, to Caroline's life. That's how we came together to, to start Rise was this shared exploration of the mindset elements of life that of course are applicable to sports. And we kept saying, oh, I wish I knew this when I was still swimming. I wish I could have applied these breathing techniques. Like we're swimmers, we're underwater all the time. And I never really like sat down to apply myself to understand my breath, how it affects me, how, you know, how I can calm myself with my breath, all of these things that just seem so obvious at this well, point. It's make, like there's make, so much you, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> make that real world for our listeners. Cause it's a, um, we're seeing it more and more and, and athletes have, you know, individually will go and they'll get, they'll get help. But if um, I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a lot about the vagal nerve. Is that correct? Um, but it's uh, in terms of breathing, in terms of like, if, if you're just experiencing fear or nerves or anxiety, um, how do you center? How do you get grounded? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a 12 year old and I'm, and I'm going to, to sectionals and I'm, it's blowing my mind because I'm scared to death coming up for my 200 breaststroke. Uh, you yeah. know, is, is, is that something that you teach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's a building of this foundation so that it's not just how do I fix this in the moment of panic, but how can I come back to the tools that I already have? So it's this building of, you know, a visualization. So you know what to expect, what it feels like when you get nervous, embracing your nerves because they're really good. You know, when I swam, I could get nowhere near my times in practice because I didn't have that edge of like the nerve and the, you know, the excitement and harnessing that when I did in competition. So it's, it's teaching you to not be afraid of your nerves, to learn how to embrace them, but also do these tools like breathing, you know, come back to just like taking three deep breaths, but it's something you should have already practiced before you get to that. Yes, it'll work in that panic moment, but you know, let's practice it a week out, two weeks out so that it's a familiar thing. You know, when our bodies go through these repetitions of, of different things we we make muscle memory of it and the second you take the moment i take a nice deep breath my whole body is just like oh yes i i was way up here and i didn't need to be i'm going to come back to this state that i've practiced and trained myself to be in that's like calm collected confident ready i got this all of that is essentially programmed into our minds through preparation, right? But worst case, yeah, take a few breaths, close your eyes and repeat, I got this, I got this. You know, that's a last ditch effort. <laughs> Pretty now, simple go-to. <laughs> this is a perfect segue and, and Coleman can dive into this, but it's a, we just talked to a buddy, Jessica Hardy, and yeah. she told us that your swim practices and your times of practice could be pretty fast. Um, I could never, ever, ever beat Jess in practice, <laughs> ever, <laughs> unless we were swimming like a 200 breaststroke, but she never did that. So <laughs> she said, yeah, she said two things. She said, one, I don't want to talk bad on anyone, but I, any woman I trained with never beat me in practice. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and she did two. She's like, if if Rebecca and Yulia and I stepped up on the blocks, which was about once a week, uh, you know, we broke world records in practice. <laughs> but Jess uh, always won. 
if you were to say you couldn't go that fast in practice and we're like, yeah, no, we've got, we've got more information on this topic. I guess I was comparing myself to literally the best 50 sprinter <laughs> and the best to like Yulia and Jess were like little, yeah, it was intense. We were very competitive. <laughs> so, so we asked... We, we asked her for, you know, her, like one of her most memorable get up swims of U3. And she said, you know, there's one, one time when you guys did like an 8,000 workout. And then at the end of it, you guys did a 50 off the blocks and you all went under 30 seconds long course and a 50 breast and which, which, you know, that's awesome. But you know, maybe, maybe do, do you have, do you have a favorite swim? Cause I'm thinking it might be something a little longer than a 50 if, uh, <laughs> if, if it's going to be your favorite. Um, let's see. Well, we didn't often swim longer than fifties off the block. Uh, okay. not too often. And I don't yeah. really remember. Those were not the moments that, that I remember. I, I remember the longer stuff. I remember, you know, racing in the, in the distance group or, or sprint long sprint group, <laughs> Sailor's long sprint with like Usmaluli next to me. And I'm like, let me do breaststroke and just try to keep up, <laughs> um, you know, and, and Haley Anderson and uh, just like, yep, that's where I belong, a breaststroker, right? Um, but yeah, it was such a, you know, the, the, as time has passed and I even comparing, you know, 2012 to 2008 prep, you know, the team and and really just the amazing opportunity that we had to all be on that team together and race with each other all the time. And Kitajima joined us and it's like, this breaststroke group is insane. Like how much can I learn from these guys? And, and it was just amazing to be around them, but then also to be at the games and have all our teammates there representing different countries and, you know, just having that kind of camaraderie was really amazing. Um, but yeah, a lot of breaststrokers, it was a breaststroke heavy group. Amanda Beard was there for a little bit. Uh, you know, it, it, it could get a little bit intense come time to step up on the blocks, but I think I always like, allowed it like okay I know you're gonna beat me because you're literally the best in the world <laughs> at sprint breaststroke or or even Yulia would always beat me but I was always so close it was great <laughs> it was great to to be on their tail waves <laughs> well and I mean to me that seems like it could be an advantage you know we saw uh Townley Haas won the 500 free at NCs one year when, when Clark Smith was the favorite. And we, you know, we asked him like, what, what's practicing with Clark? Like, and he's like, dude, he kicks my butt and work out every day. And so like, all, all I, I, all I know is like chasing Clark and that's what I did today. And, you know, it, it seems like kind of the same thing where you were always chasing and then, you know, come, come the big stage, come Olympic games or world champs. Um, you were always right there because you, you knew how to push it. Yeah, I knew I could keep up even though, and I also knew that training and competing are different sports and we can often forget that. And so I knew that stepping up behind the blocks at world championships, Rebecca, was different than Tuesday at SC <laughs> training, Rebecca. And like, I also had this deep uh, belief that I could kick it into a different like beast mode. And like, I had no doubt that I could win at the competition, but I had every doubt that I could win on Tuesday morning. I don't get too far along. I just, I had, I, something I had to ask you about is, is that, uh, 
going to 2008, you know, swimming transformed in terms of platform and media and everything exploded. But really, it was about that venue. It was about Omaha. And Omaha was nerve-wracking. I remember walking into it with older peers going, I'd, my head would pop competing in this atmosphere. You were a kid. And you had a very dramatic 2008 turn. Uh, the, the 100, you know, getting on the 100 as an individual event for your lineup was very dramatic. But it's, uh, how did you handle that? Because you already said, you know, you were dealing with like, who am I in terms of identity on, you know, after winning at the Olympic plot at the Olympic Games. Well, well, take us back to trials in 2008. First time people walking into that venue. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was very loud and emotional like loud loud in terms of like the fireworks and the colors and the show and the production and of course the audience is never a really big thing for me but they were there too and the media and the, you know there's just so much I think as we're speaking about it now not that I necessarily noticed this at the moment but what's coming to mind is that there was again this separation between like the competitive stage that arena with the fireworks with the lights with the show and then the behind the scenes, the training pool, where we sat, you know, I didn't spend much time sitting in the bleachers watching because I was always taking care of myself in the training pool. Like that's more of where I was. And there was this almost separation of, of mentality of like, I can't get too involved in this whole show aspect because it'll pull away from my confidence. It'll freak me out. It will, you know, there'll be a million reasons for me to get nervous. Let me just focus in on, you know, stay behind the scenes and stay tuned into what I need. Um, it was a very emotional experience, missing that hundred at trials, um, purely out of nerves and panic. It was my first Olympic trials fi A final. Um, I was, you know, in first or second seed, I was swimming fast enough. My time from semis, I think would have made it. I just, I panicked and I didn't know that I was panicking until I was in it. Um, and so just like having that hit home and, and luckily the hundred was not my main event, but it was definitely a hard thing. I remember sitting, you know, I, I didn't want to take from my teammates and like, but I needed to be emotional. So I remember calling my sister and like, Hey, can you come meet me outside? And we sat with our backs against the wall of the arena. And I just like cried <laughs> to her cause it was just, you know, she wasn't going to be affected by that. She wasn't competing. Um, and I just cried and cried and like, it's like, I need to get this out because I need to swim again in two days. And you know, that's the real deal. That's the 200. Um, so being able to kind of process that, come back for the 200, swim really well, drop two seconds, make the team and top seed and the 200. And then eventually a month later be pulled into that hundred. Uh, you know, it, it was, again, it was about the separation. It's about, I'm not going to get involved in the legal stuff of this. Like, tell me if you want me to swim. It was not my decision to make. It was, you know, the, the team's coordinators, they made that decision to choose Rebecca, who was there instead of bringing in um, Tara Kirk, who would have, who rightfully had the spot. I didn't, if she was there, I wouldn't fight it. Like, just tell me what to do. I can't get involved because ultimately I'm here to swim. Um, and so it was a little bit of dealing with it, but I made it clear that like, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. 200 is my main focus. And 
Um, so, you know, I was able to swim it, obviously. I was able to bring home a silver medal in it and um, redeem myself for the nerves I, that knocked me out at trials. And uh, yeah, that compartmentalization of focusing on what you can control and what I've been trained to focus on and, you know, leaving the rest to the hands of those that are capable and, and making those decisions. For people that were listening, there was a positive drug test and then there was a, um, then there was a whole hullabaloo about who was going to be on the team because this came after the fact. And this was, it's, this was, there was a lot happening at the time. It was very, it was a very dramatic period. And, you know, you were at the center of the story because you were the person who was going to compete. And then of course you went on to Beijing and you picked up two more medals. And, yeah. Uh, and I, I didn't know that I was the center of the story. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't, I chose not to know a lot of what was going on. I knew there was a potential and I just focused on the 200 and just kept going there. Cause that was my baby. And, and so, you know, it was a totally different experience from my end than, than what might've been seen and talked about publicly, but, uh, you know, taking care of yourself is really important at that stage. You, 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 so you have some practice with taking care of yourself. This is the, this is some real high level, uh, mentoring skill from that experience that you gained. It's, uh, can we, can we, do you mind if we just talk about your breaststroke for just a minute? Because we, sure. we, we talked to a few folks about breaststroke and when I, when I see your breaststroke, it seems like you're, correct me if I'm wrong. And but it seems like the stroke, your, the front end of your stroke, the pull is is really just a setup for you to kick really hard over the over the barrel, over the hump, and it is it's beautiful and looks incredibly efficient. Um, is is that correct? And when did you develop this you know this elite level stroke? I'd say that's correct. Uh... It was a long evolution. So my entire swimming career, it was evolving, you know, really focusing on developing my own stroke and technique as early as high school and, and working with my coach at the time, Tom Speedling. And I remember him, him oh, almost always I had paddles on. So like there was no space for these like big turnovers with your hands. So it was just like a lot of almost sculling motion with those paddles. And you know, having that kind of guidance and coaching that, you know, I'm not a very technical swimmer, so I don't see much when I look at video, <laughs> you know, I'm all about the feel. And so that stroke was built on that and, and eventually, you know, learning how to have a really strong but small skull kind of lead up um, and learning that it was all about this, like, diving in and I call it falling forward <laughs> you know you just kind of lift and fall lift and fall instead of like force 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 it's it's using this you know flow of the water almost like butterfly or um more really leaning into a lot of that so it, yeah it felt like it was like lifting up and then just falling into it so um it, it took a lot of development but it you know one of the things I most remember and was most helpful to me a little bit later, um, as I was a little bit older, I was out of college, I was getting into 2012, um, I would go jump in the ocean. I was lucky to live in, you know, just down the street from the beach and I would get in and I would catch a wave and try to like do breaststroke in the wave and ride the wave. And you know how that is, you do one little move and you're out of the wave. So how can I continue like flowing with the water? Um, so it was almost this evolution of understanding water and understanding 
the movement of water and putting myself in the best possible position to do that. But it was all feel based. And then, you know, having Dave yelling over my shoulder every day in practice to, to find that like, you know, strong core and flat back to help really keep things falling forward. <laughs> Swimming downhill. Yeah. Yeah. Always downhill. <laughs> so the, this, the more you say, the more I'm like, this makes sense that, that she swam for Dave Salo for so long. We talked to him, I think last recently, and, you know, we, we picked his brain and, you know, he's got a PhD from USC. He's, he's like Mr. Science, but he doesn't come off that way. That's how his brain works. But then, you know, he even, you know, admitted he tries to translate the scientific part of the swimming into something the athletes are going to understand and, uh, and make it fun. And, and it's easy to see why he, you know, why his athletes have had so much success and, and why they stick around for so long because he just tries to make a place for athletes to have fun. So when yeah. you were looking at schools, um, you're from New Jersey, I think, or that's where yeah. you graduated. And, uh, you know, when you were looking at colleges, what, what specifically attracted to you to Salo and USC? Well, Salo was not there yet. My first year at SC was with Mark Schubert. So okay. it was the exact opposite of Dave Salo that attracted <laughs> me to USC. Um, it was very, uh, you know, very much like what I was used to, long distance, traditional training. And then, you know, then Schubert left after my freshman year. Salo came in and I was shocked beyond belief because I didn't know how to handle this different kind of training. Um, it's a whole big story of our first year together, <laughs> which is fun to reminisce on. We, we really butted heads and it took me a long time to, uh, let go and trust in his process. I'd never done a focused on, you know, sprint <laughs> type of training and it took a long time for my body to acclimate. And it turned out to be the best possible transition that I could have made. I learned how to race, you know, I learned how to, keep my body in this like hot high speed training all the time there was no garbage yardage but there was a lot of swimming upside down and backwards and sideways and butt dives and like you name it which at first i thought was like i resisted it right i didn't i didn't see how this was going to help me become faster than tuna breaststroke but after a year or so i started to accept it and to really um, get into it and and really started to enjoy and love it and have fun with that kind of training and and you know seeing how those nuances of play really changed how I probably the longevity of my career um, helped me stay in there a little bit longer and and just showing up to practice like what is he gonna throw at us today like you just don't know <laughs> And that was so fun. I, it wasn't just about being beat up all the time, which, you know, I'm grateful that I had that foundation as a kid when my body could handle it. But as a 25 year old, like my body didn't want to be doing 10 K a practice anymore. Um, and I noticed that, you know, the even short, it wasn't about yardage anymore. It was, it was about intensity and those shorter practices could be way harder <laughs> than the longer ones. Um, so yeah, it was, it was such a, you know, blessing that Dave showed up to SC. I almost left. I'm so glad that I didn't. <laughs> um, and just, you know, it took a while to realize, you know, how, how 
how good we worked together because I'm a very self-motivated athlete and he allowed space for that. He saw that and he said, great, like I will help you to make your own decisions and, you know, it helped me become smarter as an athlete too um, and helped it feel like we were a team working together. I'm not just like, I'll do anything you say. Like, yes, I probably will because I'm really a good hard worker, but I'm also starting to think critically and that, like understand things for myself. And, you know, I was able to go to, to big meets where he was not there and, and for whatever reason, and I felt fully competent. I could take care of myself and, um, you know, and he was always there too. So I really, I don't think I would have become the swimmer that I was without Dave Salo. We're down to about five minutes and I just had some things I'm curious about. Are, are you a yogi? Are you doing yoga? Yes, Is that I your do. Go-to? Um, at this point, yeah, I've been doing it for a long time, like a decade or so. Uh, it really helped when I was swimming towards the end of my swimming career, bringing in some of the, the breathing and the relaxation and, you know, kind of mentally training, learning about how my body is connected, <laughs> you know, learning about, yeah, the way that my body moves and, and things that I thought I should have known a little bit earlier as an athlete. But Yes, I've been doing yoga for a while. I really love it. I still try to do it as often as I can. I have my mat set up right over there. <laughs> so you, are you not going to a, a studio? You're, you're doing it on your well, own? Well, not right now. Um, I was. Sorry, Obviously, right. yeah, it's, uh, things are, yeah. I've, I've just been enjoying my home practice and kind of finding my own motivation, which is a, a different experience than being guided through it. There's a famous yogi in your area, and I'm just wondering if you were there. I can't think of his name. God, he's like one of the number one guys. Anyway, when I was in Los Angeles, we used to go. We'd do 90 minutes, and it was it was called Power Yoga, which became Hot Vinyasa. Mm. And uh, transformative, love it. We do it here in Austin, Texas. Coleman does it too. Sometimes he comes with us. But uh, the funny thing is I was on deck with uh, Janet Evans, uh, who, you know, swimming icon and we're doing a clinic and it's with a bunch of kids and we're both resistant to get in the water. She's resistant to get, I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, no, I'm doing yoga. <laughs> it's like, that's my go-to. I don't, I don't swim. I do yoga. Are you, yeah. getting, are you getting in the pool? <laughs> Ever? Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you swimming? Um, no, re- lately. Well, so I'm in Bend, Oregon now. I've been out of LA for a little while. Um, so when I was in LA, I was swimming in the ocean and I loved it because there was no clock and there was no black line and there were waves and there were dolphins. And now I'm swimming in the river, which is a totally different experience. Um, finding my little um, spots, both where you can like go against the current for a while and then come back, which is super fun. And also the really strong areas where you can basically swim in a flume and just stay in place. Um, no dolphins, unfortunately, but yeah, that's the kind of swimming that I've been doing more the adventure swimming with no time. (laughs) Um, but that's, that's been fun and, and just enjoying it for what it is. I'm not I don't need to stay in for a certain amount of time. I don't need to like swimming has become more of a therapeutic kind of relaxation, come back home kind of feeling. Uh, then this is my workout. Like I'm going to go for it. It's, it's very, just being in water is huge for someone who spent most of their life underwater. 
we're down to about two and a half minutes and, and we're, so we're going to drop this crazy, ridiculous question on you in the last two and a half minutes. Is there one swim where it was perfection and you were like, you did it. And they're like, you're happy. The, the time was right. The feeling was right. And <laughs> yeah. What, what, what was that moment for you? Um, interesting because it was semis of 2012 to your best joke to 20.00. Um, and I say that it was perfection, even though I wanted to go under 220 and I did the next night in finals. Um, however, that final swim was the most painful, like felt terrible, all that stuff. But when it came to that semifinals in preparation, I was a hundred percent there. Everything was perfect. I, I was going for my goal of breaking 220, a goal that I'd had for so long, 220, 220, 220. Um, I felt great. My pace was great. My stroke was great. I was calm because it was semis. I wasn't in that like super nervous state. Um, the race felt amazing. I pulled away from the beginning. I felt strong the whole way through. I could hear Dave whistling and uh, I just, the whole crowd was going crazy because I was, I guess, close to the world record line and came into the wall and I touched the wall with a 220.00. So like literally I said I wanted 220. I got exactly 220, even though I really wanted to go under 220. Um, so as far as feeling time, getting what I asked for, it was like perfection. The splits were perfect, um, but it wasn't good enough. And I had to come back the next night and try to break the world record again um, and go under and get that 219 finally but yeah the semis was like the perfect perfect race 200 breaststroke six-time olympic medalist rebecca sony she can be your rise athlete mentor or if you're in any other sport if you can do another sport where do they go rise-athletes.com or just google rise athletes for me <laughs> we need to, we need to bring you back and have just one focus session on that one year of transition from schubert to Salo. It's a big conversation. <laughs> Let's do it. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.